You keep a low profile when you're in oxygen debt. Too much walking about just exacerbates the situation anyway. So I was nervous when a stationeer appeared at my cubby and knocked on the door. I slid out and stood in front of the polished skeletal robot. Alex, Mosette? it asked. There was no sense in lying. The stationeer had already scanned my face. It was just looking for voice print verification. Yes, I'm Alex, I said. The harbormaster wants to see you. I swallowed. He could have sent me a message. I am here to escort you. The robot held out a tinker toy arm, digits pointed along the hallway. Space in orbit came at a premium. Bottom rung types, like me, slept in cubbies stacked ten high along the hallway. On my back in the cubby, watching entertainment shuffled in from the planets, they made living on a space station sound exotic and exciting. It was, if you were further up the rung. I'd been in those rooms. Places with wasted space. Furniture. Room to stroll around in. That was exotic. Getting space in outer space was far down on my list of needs. First was air, then food. Anything else was pure luxury. The harbormaster stared out into space, and I silently waited at the door to operations, hoping that if I remained quiet, he wouldn't notice. Ops hung from near the center of the megastructure of the station, a blister stuck on the end of a long tunnel. You could see the station behind us, the miles-long wheel of exotic metals rotating slowly. No gravity in Ops, or anywhere in the center. Spokes ran down from the wheel to the center, and the center was where ships docked and were serviced, and so on. So I hung silently in the air, long after the stationer flitted off to do the harbormaster's bidding, wondering what happened next. You're overdrawn, the harbormaster said, after a needle-like ship with long, feathery veins slipped underneath us into the docking bays. He turned to face me, even though his eyes had been hollowed out long ago. Force of habit. His real eyes were now every camera or anything mechanical that could see. The harbormaster moved closer. The gantry around him was motorized, a long arm moving him anywhere he wanted in the room. Hundreds of cables, plugged into his scalp-like hair, bundled and ran back along the arm of the gantry. Hoses moved effluvia out. More hoses ran purified blood and other fluids back in. I'm sorry, I stammered. Traffic is light, and requests have dropped off. I've taken classes, even language lessons. I stopped when I saw the wizened hand raise, palm up. I know what you've been doing. The harbormaster's sightless sockets turned back to the depths of space outside. The hardened skin of his face showed few emotions. His artificial voice was toneless. You would not have been allowed to overdraw if you hadn't made good faith efforts. For which, I said, I am enormously appreciative. That ship that just arrived brings with it a choice for you, the harbormaster continued without acknowledging what I'd just said. I cannot let you overdraw anymore if you stay on station, so I will have to put you into hibernation. To pay for hibernation and your air debt, I would buy your contract. You'd be woken for guaranteed work. I'd take a percentage. You could buy your contract back out once you had enough liquidity.
That was exactly what I'd been dreading. But he'd indicated an alternate. My other option? He waved a hand, and a holographic image of the ship I'd just seen coming in to dock hung in the air. They're asking for a professional friend. For their ship? Surprise tinged my question. I wasn't crew material. I'd been shipped frozen to the station, just another corpsicle. People like me didn't stay awake for travel. Not enough room.